This is the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast, helping you run your restaurant better. Welcome back to the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Um, so much fun to be on the mic with you guys again and uh, sharing another really cool story. Um, I'm excited because we've got a restaurant tour turned technologist uh, on our show today. And uh, um, it'll be fun to, to have you guys hear a little bit of his both restaurant story and kind of kind of what they've been able to do on the technology side. Um, been hearing the name of their product out there quite a bit lately, and I'm sure you guys uh, in the audience will will get to know a little bit more about it. But today, I'm going to introduce you to um, one of the founders of Margins Edge, Bo Davis. Bo, why don't you say hello to our audience, and then we can talk a little bit about uh, kind of how you got to where where you are with uh, with Margins Edge. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I look forward to uh, to talking. When you and I talked and we did our prep, you you came up through the restaurant industry. So talk to me a little bit about kind of kind of how that came about, and then and then let's flip it over to kind of where and how we got into uh, to doing tech because I think it's a I think it's a cool story, and they're always they're they're oftentimes my favorite because I because uh, you're really scratching your own itch in a, in a certain way within uh, within within your restaurants. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my background actually started originally in technology. I was a developer coming out of college and, and started a software company in the higher education space uh, back in the 90s. I sold that in the early 2000s. And then um, after after sort of wandering around a little bit, I um, went into the restaurant business in 2005. So I opened my first place in Washington, D.C. with a couple of friends. Uh, it sounds like a bad joke, but it was a lawyer, a banker, and a tech entrepreneur and we were actually living in London at the time and decided that we wanted to start a business and decided on a restaurant and, um, and hired a chef. Well, because restaurants are easy, right? Well, that's the funny <laughs> thing. It's like, we were like, how hard can that be, right? Like, uh-huh. we were, I, like, I hear it all the time from people. Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, no, no. It's okay. Literally, like the only time I'd ever worked in a restaurant was a dishwasher at 16, right? Uh-huh. So I knew nothing about it. My co-founders knew nothing about it. And to be perfectly honest, we weren't all that passionate about food. It's not like we were foodies that were desperate to, to do that. I mean, we were really looking at it as a business and we saw a concept that we liked in London that we thought um, would be open, we'd be able to open a lot of them here in the U.S. Uh, it's conveyor belt sushi. I don't know if you've ever had that before, but um, I have super popular in, in, in Asia and in Europe. And just there weren't many of them and there still aren't many of them in the U.S. So we wanted to bring that concept here. Um, we hired a chef. Uh, out of London, who was, who was very well, very highly acclaimed, brought him over, opened our first place at 17th and K uh, down near the White House. And um, yeah, learned a lot about the restaurant business. Uh, I tell people I was clearly the least intelligent of the three founders because I was the only one still in the restaurant business two years later. And, you know, 17 years later, I still have a restaurant. So uh, I've been doing it for a while now. I love it. I love it. I and and your story is all too familiar to so many people. It's like, oh, restaurants. How hard could it be? I, you know, I like I like eating, and everybody's going to come hang out and eat my food, right? Um, little <laughs> yeah. do you know, that there's looks- so much more to to run in the restaurant, and so um, that I mean, that was a, that was a while um, yeah. ago, right? I mean, yeah. So basically, you know, I, we opened our first place in '05, but the idea was always to be a growth concept. So we opened basically a restaurant a year for. Uh, and even a little bit more for 10 or 12 years. So we opened a dozen restaurants all over the country, you know, California, Texas, Florida, Boston, here in DC. Um, and so I got a really good, really good uh, run of, you know, site selection, lease negotiation, build outs, hiring, running, the whole thing. Um, and yeah, the biggest lesson from all of that was 
I think everyone thinks about the restaurant business as being hard because we think about the stuff you can see. You think about mm-hmm. uh, staffing, you think about preparing food, you think about quality control, and those things are all hard. But what I was surprised by that is really hard is the dealing with the fact that you've got a relatively low margin, but you've got variable revenue, variable food cost, variable labor, right? You have to schedule ahead for these things for purchasing yep. labor, but you've got variable revenue and you've only got a 10% margin. And so you're day to day, week to week, trying to figure out how to run this thing when you don't know what's going to come in the front door, but still make a profit. And at least back in 2005, there's just very little visibility into what was going to happen. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was really difficult. And the, and the numbers are trailing, right? So you're getting these invoices are coming in so quick. You're giving them to a bookkeeper. They're going into an accounting system. You're finding out weeks later, whether you made money, whether you made money or not. Yeah. No, your revenue is bouncing around and you're trying to hit a variable number. So it's just, it's just a lot of moving parts. Well, and I think it's, I think it's interesting because you'll hear people that aren't restaurant people. And I, I dine out with friends and, and family and things like that. And they'll look at a steak that's on the menu for $49 and go, Oh my gosh, I, I can get that same steak at, at, you know, at Kroger for, for half that price. It's like, yeah, but do you understand what it takes to sell that? They, they might make $3 on that $49 steak. Yes. Like, do you have any idea between the labor costs and the rent costs? Cause you've got certain costs to your point yeah. that are fixed. And, and we talk about, um, we talk, yeah. I mean, we talk about on the show a lot, you know, your two highest costs are food costs and labor costs. And they're hard to hard to manage. Yeah, the other thing that I think is a common misconception is um, I found it very frustrating in my early days. So we opened downtown again, right by the White House, center of Washington D.C. It's very much a commercial business district, so lunchtime is the primary primary time. And we had this acclaimed chef that we were literally in the Washington Post several times, and and so at lunchtime we literally have a door a line out the door, packed, mm-hmm. right, packed, yep. and people are like, "Oh my God, you must be printing money," and I'm like, "Yeah." I got an hour and a half to do all my revenue, right? Yep. I get a slow dinner business. I get a slow weekend business. People don't eat lunch at 1.30. I still have the product on the shelf. Yeah, and they, they don't eat lunch at 1.30. They don't eat at 11.30. I got an hour and a half to make all my money. Uh, yeah, not printing money. Thank you very much. Like it, It's just a lot harder than it looks. That's really funny. So I'll, I'll tell you a quick story before, I, before we move into kind of where that took, you know, kind of your entrepreneurial tech side. Um, I was I was at a conference this week, and I was hanging out with the with uh, a guy that sells into the grocery space. He sells tech into the grocery space, um, and he were talking. He and I were talking about it, and he's like, "So my wife is trying to get me. She really loves this sandwich place, and they've got the special secret sauce, and they they want a franchise. So my wife wants to." I said, "Run as fast as you can. You're not a restaurant guy, and neither is she. She runs an apparel business, and you run, you sell tech to grocery. Like, get out of the way." He's like, well, so I'm thinking, I, I, you know, I need some advice. I'm like, yes, run. Dude, yeah. you don't understand how hard it is. But this sauce is so good. I'm like, just because you like the sauce on the sandwich does not mean you should open up a restaurant. I promise you, man, it's not going to work. And he's like, all right, all right. I Maybe I'll have my wife call you. I'm like, all right, well, if you want to have your wife call me, I'm happy to talk to her. But, you know. Um, yeah, and they're, said, and they're expensive decisions, as you know, right? I mean, our average build out was a million bucks. And so, like. Like it's not yeah. not trivial, right? It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. So, um, you you were a tech guy. Um, mm-hmm. you started running restaurants, and and you know, Margins Edge is is the product that that you were you know that you founded. Talk to me a little bit about where that came from, and you know, um, as you are well aware, there's there's a lot of restaurant uh, 
restaurant tech and there's a lot of restaurant people that don't use tech well sure. um they use excel or they use you know some other form of spreadsheets to to do their work google sheets and whatnot so talk to me a little bit about yeah, uh, there's also a lot of bad restaurant tech right so there are a lot oh, of people tough. who are burned on technology because there is some legitimately bad technology and so it's not it's not simple um but but to back up to sort of how how i got into this was basically you know we got started as I mentioned, numbers are bouncing around. You know, we we were we were pretty sophisticated from a finance standpoint, but but without data, there's nothing you can do. And so, we were quickly trying to figure out how could we get information faster, cleaner, you know, and just and just get get a tighter controls on the on the restaurant. And so, it's actually a, a funny story I'll tell quickly. But um, one of my co-founders was a German national, and he had gotten an H-1B visa and was going to be coming over. Um, but it wasn't uh, until September first, till the, till the new year for the for the calendar year for the government. And so, I'm sorry, the fiscal year for the government. So he was our CFO from Germany for a number of months, and I was scanning invoices to him and sending uh-huh. them, to him digitally. And he would get them and put them in the accounting system. And at some point, we had a call, and he said, "You know, this is really dumb. I'm going to get somebody overseas to help just put the data in." And I yep. was like, "That's a terrible idea. Like that just sounds way too complicated." And we actually had an argument about it. And finally, I was like, whatever. I mean, you're handling it. I don't care. Whatever you do. (laughs) And so that little idea was the sort of the germination 17 years ago for what Margin Edge is now, which is basically like in order to know your numbers, there's some things that you can do automatically, right? So Margin Edge integrates with point of sale systems so we can pull in all your sales data, right? Uh So we can get that stuff easily and automatically. But invoice data is legitimately hard, right? There's a ton of line items on it. You need to know how many avocados. You need to know the pack size for your chicken, right? You need to know the number of, of pounds of tuna. Um, and so having a, having a human involved in getting the data off of that, it really is a critical component. So what Margin Edge does is we have an, invo- uh, uh, an app where you take a picture of the invoice that goes up to the cloud. And then we have a team overseas that will help extract that data, you know, a combination of technology and people that will extract that data and make it available. And so um, I just think it's funny because that's, that's, that's the heart of the business. And, uh, and I thought it was a terrible idea the first time I heard it, but um, it's, it's uh, worked out. Yeah, no. And, and so why don't we take a step back because it, you know, it sounds like you, you, you were solving this problem partially based on circumstances and the fact that your CFO is having to live in Germany, but you're needing them to pay bills. And so it turned into this, let me, let me take, you know, and, and however, 15 years ago, I'm sure the quality of the uh, of the image wasn't nearly what it is today from the from the phone. Well, in your it wasn't pocket. done on a phone, right? It was done in a in a, in high a scanner. Scanner, right? Yep. Yeah. No. And and it's funny that you talk about this, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit. Is 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 you know our two biggest costs within within the restaurant are food costs and labor costs, and sure. way too often people are not managing their food costs well. To your point, whether it's bad tech or it's bad process or it's bad systems or it's right. you know the the warehouses are sending the wrong pack sizes, but yeah, I would why argue don't you give- labor is the easier of the two problems, right? I mean, it's still hard, but it's the easier of the two problems. You schedule it out, um, and you you really know what the spend is just by adding up the hours and multiplying it by the hourly rate, right? It's yep. No, exactly. Not wildly complicated. So talk to me a little bit about what what is margins edge for those that are not familiar with it. You know, you've kind of talked in and around it, but. It, it, it is it is a, a a holistic solution that can solve some of yeah. this. And so why don't, you, why don't you give me kind of a, a quick five-minute tutorial sure. on what is Margin's Edge? We've talked about where it came from, but why don't yeah. we talk about what it is for those that are unfamiliar with it, and, and then we can talk about how it's helping. 
Sure, would love to. So, yeah, so Margin Edge is basically a platform that um, allows you to track all of your um, purchasing data, all your controllable expenses in one place. And essentially, there are three sort of core components to it, although there's there's a lot of stuff around the edges. The three core components are, as I mentioned earlier, first, we connect to your point-of-sale system. So we've got 60 point-of-sale systems we integrate with. We connect to those, and we pull in not just your total sales, but your, you know, all the way down to item level. How many French fries? Mm. Did you sell? How many New York strips did you sell? How many French fries? Yeah. How many, how many, um, you know, substitutes or, or uh, modifiers, all of that stuff, like all the way down to the granular level. And then okay. we, um, we have the invoice data. So that can be done via EDI from the big vendor. So we can pull invoices electronically from Cisco and US Foods and folks like that. Or, um, for most of the invoices, they are paper, right? They're coming into the restaurant, you're signing off on something. And so you use our app and you take a picture of that. Um, so that gets us uh, uh, everything that you've purchased. And then we're connected to your accounting system. So we're integrated into about 15 accounting systems. And all of that data, all your sales data, all your purchasing data, all of that's flowing into your accounting system. Now, now we've got a full view, right? We see everything you bought, everything you sold. And so we have... Um, all the tools the operator needs to manage around that. So inventory management, order guide management, recipe management. Um, we've got a kitchen display unit for recipes. So you can get rid of your three ring binder and you can see your recipes. You can embed pictures, you can embed videos, you can do scales, you can do all the stuff you need to do to manage your recipes in the restaurant. But because we're seeing the line item data from the point, from the invoices that they're coming across, we're also telling you, you know, your, the cost of your burger went up by X because you're, tomato price changed, your lettuce price changed, your ground beef price changed, your butt right, each piece. And huh. you can actually, you know, map those things together so that you can know how much ground beef did you start with? How much did you, how many burgers did you sell? How many, did how much should you have left versus with? how much yeah. do you actually have left sitting on the shelf? That's right. So you can go all the way down to actuals versus theoreticals on any ingredient. Now, we're not the first or only people to do actuals versus theoreticals in a restaurant management system like this. Uh, there have been a number of them. They've existed since the 80s. But what's different about us is that every single piece of data that's getting entered is being done. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a system where you've got to manually put in every invoice, every time you get a substitute product, you've got to say, you know, this is a this is a four by four tomato. This is a four by five tomato, right? All of that stuff. Uh-huh. We do all of that for you. All you do is take a picture of the invoice and the data flows through. I love it. I love it. So, um I haven't been in this world, uh, you and I, when we were talking pre-show, you know, you know that I've sold PosiTouch for 25 yeah. years and, and they've yeah, got their own. PosiTouch user myself for 17, yeah. Yeah, they've got their own theoretical food cost system yeah. and, and actual food cost system. And and I would say less than 10% of people actually were able to implement it properly. And I think that uh, I think that some of what Margin's Edge has solved is is hugely well, you know, yeah, I would say I would say in your client base, um, your your clients skew to larger restaurant groups, and I would say the chances of implementing the Posi Touch um, actual versus theoretical definitely is higher if you're a much larger group and you are yes. really really buttoned up and organized, and you know you buy you, you one broadliner where you're buying all your stuff and you're negotiating pricing, and so you know what things are going to come in the door, right? In that environment where you've got 100 units or 500 units. Even then, it's 10% to your point. If you look at the people we work with, which are like 1 to 50 units, you know, and primarily 1 to 10, but 1 to 50, that kind of range, uh, no one used PosiTouch for that. Like, I, I literally have come across two people 
in seven years that use PosiTouch for that that reporting because it's just small businesses can't handle that level. Yeah, it's a ton of work. And and the thing that I that I think is so unique about what it is that you guys are doing is you you know I, again back to only ten percent actually implement it, and I would say even. 50% of that 10% is so only 5% actually implement it successfully. Like most try and then struggle because to your point, the broadliners oftentimes change pack sizes. Yep. You get short shipments, you get shipments that, you know, they had to substitute something else in. Yep. And now oftentimes, you know, the, the, at the executive level or at the, at the management level, they just, they get pissed because the food cost is a higher percentage that than, than, than what they had, forecast or what they had budgeted for and then it's up to some manager to go back and figure out that the tomatoes got entered wrong we entered number of tomatoes versus number of cases and we put 14 cases in versus 14 tomatoes when we're entering our inventory talk to me a little bit about kind of kind of how you've seen people successfully implement margins edge because all there's so many data points i love that you guys are extracting some of that and taking it out of the hands of the manager you being a restaurant tour yourself probably want your managers not to be in the office as much as possible. You sure. want them out on the floor yeah, talking yeah. to guests. And so talk to me a little bit about how you guys make sure that, that people are doing the right thing, because there's a lot of different moving parts and pieces and without it, you, you yeah. struggle. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think, um, I think that's right. And I think we do a lot during the onboarding process to help people be comfortable and understand um, what these, what these components are. And, and the reality is, you know, technology has gotten a lot easier. So where PosiTouch, you were looking at a you know client server screen, you were on a computer with very fixed cells and like, it's just a hard environment to yeah. work in, right? Oh, yes, it's yes. not that they did anything wrong. It's that they were writing code in the early nineties, right? And like today we just have different levels of expectations, right? You can do your inventory on your phone in a nice clean user interface, right? You can go onto the, onto the application on the web. And, you know, when you want to order your, your, um, your inventory sheet, sheet to shelf, you literally, you literally can drag and drop on the order order sheet, right? Or sorry, on the inventory sheet, so you can order what you're doing. If you want to set pars, right, you can you can do that. It's just the the user interface is designed for um, restaurant people who are end users who are not mm-hmm. super technical, and it just has the advantage of using modern you know interfaces to make it a lot cleaner. Um, but still, we provide you know a lot of support through onboarding. We have unlimited training. We have lots of uh, help text article help articles as, that are in text, as well as like short videos. You can watch like a one minute video on how to set up your um, you know a recipe or something. And uh, and so we try to lean into to giving people the the support. Um, but really, at the end of the day, it's about just having software that's more intuitive. I love it. I love it. And it, it sounds like you still dabble in the tech side. Uh, I'd love to go down that thread, but um, the the other piece that I guess I'd love to ask your opinion on is oftentimes people conflate the idea of actual inventory costs versus theoretical inventory costs, and what does that look like? I've had this argument with restaurant tours for years. It's like, yeah, but but my food costs on this burger should be you know seventeen percent. It's like that's great that you think it should be seventeen percent, but you actually use twice as amount of ground beef that you should have, and your tomatoes went up by you know. So it's not seventeen percent; it's twenty three percent today. Your actual food cost versus theoretical food cost. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys manage that, because again, oftentimes people put together business plans and they've got a theoretical food cost and they say that this is what it should be, and then the reality, whether it's supply chain shortages or yeah. just life change, and and oftentimes people will will blame the system 
when the truth is, is it's it's either their data entry or their costs have gone up and they just they 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 haven't taken it into account. Yeah, or they've got issues in the kitchen, right? I mean, yep. I think um, to me, the solution to all of that is transparency and simplicity, right? So if you can see the variables and they jump mm-hmm. at you and it's obvious, like this is the thing. So like, for example, in our actual versus theoretical with the burger example, if you click on it, you know, you'll see like your target in your example 17, your actual comes in at 23. When you click on it, you literally get a breakdown of all of the things that went into it. It'll show you how much did you have with your starting inventory? How oh, much wow. did you use? What were your invoices? So it'll show how much you bought and literally links to the invoices. So like if it looks like you grew beef, right? You know, you can't grow beef, but it looks yeah. like you grew beef. You can look and be like, oh, well, the invoices where I bought it aren't in there or, yeah. um, you know, or the opposite. Then, I, I, I did cases instead of pounds on my receipt of that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. that or, happens or, a lot. Or, in the inventory, you might notice like you should have normally have 20 pounds and you have 200 pounds for your example, right? You did 10 pound cases and you counted by the case instead of the pound. So, yeah, so those things. And then we also, that, that also has the, um, the PMIX button, the literally the, the point of sale button. So like, as you scroll down, it'll show you what buttons were pushed and how many of them, right. And what that component was. So literally in a screen, you're getting the full breakdown of that item. And so the error could be in any of those spots, right? But yep. but the, the thing that I also really like about our software with this, when you're really trying to dial it in, is that, you know, a lot of people do inventory pretty infrequently. Um, and inventory can take a really long time. And so there's yep. a reason they do it infrequently. But if you're a burger shop and ground beef is uh, coming in at 23% versus 17, that's a big deal. Yep. So you could do a ground beef count every night, just ground beef. You know, yeah. a separate inventory sheet that literally is just ground beef and it's got a, your front fridge, your back fridge, your prep kitchen, whatever. you got your, your locations, walk around, count those four places, hit save. You can do it on your phone. And then literally every morning you could look at the thing and say, okay, yesterday we were, you know, 23 versus 17, but these are the areas that looked off. Let's watch those closely today and do a count, right? At the end of the day. And maybe you can get it to 21. Our first, my favorite example of this is our first person to use our theoreticals was a, you know, one of our first clients and a friend and investor, and he owned a, a high volume seafood place or still owns a very high volume seafood place in DC, one of the highest volume places here. And um, he'd put in, you know, the recipe, um, he put in a recipe for sea bass, but literally just put in the number of ounces, right? Nothing else in the recipe. Uh-huh. And he sells it in one thing, he sells an entree, right? And so he mapped it to that entree button, right? So we're talking about two minutes worth of work to see what your theoretical should be on sea bass. And it uh-huh. was off the charts, like off the charts, he's losing money on sea bass. And so he goes and he talks to his, um, his chef that cuts the sea bass. And it's been the same gentleman for 20 years. They've been, they've had that restaurant forever. And he goes and talks to him. He's like, yeah, of course I'm cutting it. Right. And they watch and he's just cutting big portions. It's just that easy. Like a six ounce portion cut to nine. Right. Yeah. So over the years, he slightly got it a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger and never was weighing it. And now your food cost of 20% went up 10%, right? So now you're at 30 and you only had a 10% margin. Now you're losing money, right? And it's literally, you got to cut the fish right. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's where the rubber meets the road. And, uh, you know, it takes a little focus, but, but the tools are there to do it for sure. I love it. I love it. So it sounds like you guys have been doing this margins edge thing for a while. Um, and I love these stories. Why, why, why still doing the restaurant? I guess you said you're still, you still own the restaurant. Is it, uh, is it just a passion project or, you know, I, yeah, see, the, so, I see the smile on your face. So there, there must be a story behind that. Well, and maybe, um, maybe I should ask your wife why you still own the restaurant or no, something. No, no. But, 
Uh, I love the restaurant we have. So we opened a number of restaurants. Some were okay. Some were terrible. Um, but this particular one has been um, wildly successful. And so, I mean, you know how it goes when you're opening restaurants, like they're hard, but every once in a while you get that lottery ticket one that yep. when you open it, it just performs. And, and, and this is another non-obvious thing to people who are not in the restaurant industry. They will say, so like Old Ebbet Grill here is, is a, you know, one of the top five restaurants in the country. The GM and, uh, from there is a friend of mine, and we chatted an ex-GM. And, um, and uh, he said people would say all the time to him, oh, that must be a really hard job. You know, this is a $40 million a year restaurant, right? Uh-huh. It must be a really hard job. And he would say, this is the easiest job on earth because I have a budget, right? Yeah. Like at, at that level, you can hire the top people and have plenty of them. So running a restaurant that's highly, highly successful is actually not too hard. It's the, it's those ones on the edge that are rough, right? Yep. And so this restaurant in Northern Virginia near my home happens to be, um, it does very good volumes. And so it's had the same general manager since, so it opened in 2009. The person that is the general manager, Alex, started there, I think, three months after it opened. So he's been there for 13 years. He loves it, treats it like his own. Uh, we've got a really good team. A number of them have been there 10 years and, and a lot of them have been there five to seven years. So, you know, when you get a, when you get a place that's got a nice top line and it's got a great team, those are, those are where it's truly fun and, uh, and it's, it's easy to own, so to speak. Um, I love that. I love that story. So thank you for that. I, I, I saw the smile on your face when we were recording. I'm like, Oh, there's gotta be a story there, but yeah, that, that, that makes more sense. If, if it's doing well and you still enjoy it and you're still passionate about it. Yeah. And I get to go eat there. I have, I have teenage kids. And so we all go and we have sushi and it's fun. I love that. I love that. So talk to me about kind of, kind of, you guys talked about where you guys started. You guys talked about kind of the, the, the inventory and, and automation. You're a tech guy. Um, Technology is changing constantly. You know, you put in the technology to get the data that you want or that you need to be able to run the business more efficiently, but where is it going? Where's Margin's Edge going? Where, you know, where do you see your guys' next big investment in time and energy to really be able to continue to give additional data points to help uh, to help restaurant tours out? And where are those things that you guys can scratch your own itch? Because clearly, you know how to run restaurants. You got sixty point of sale integration, so the tech's got to be tight to be able to do that. And so you're solving people's problems all the time. Yeah, where's it going? We're now in four thousand restaurants. We're processing seventy five thousand invoices a week. So we're we're now doing this on a proper scale where um, it does work well and the tech is there. Yeah, I think there's there are two areas um, in particular we're focused on. I mean, I'll say I um I am a I I love product and I think we're really at the beginning of this industry. So while while I'm very proud of the fact that we have four thousand restaurants. There's really no reason we can't have 40,000, right? It's a Mm -hmm. big space. And so uh, with that in mind, we have raised capital and we have invested really heavily in our product team. We grew our product team 170% over the last 18 months. Oh, wow. Um, So we've added a lot of people. We're up to, you know, I think back there were five people who wrote the original product and we're at like, I think 40 or 45 on our product team now. So, um, so there's a, there's a big investment there and we are working on a whole bunch of things, but a couple of them that stand out is, our one is um, around um, uh, payments and cash flow management. So, as you know, cash flow management for small businesses is a thing. Um, uh-huh. uh, checks and mailing checks is both laborious and now slow and high risk. And there's just a lot of cash flow issues around trying to, um, you know, manage your bank account by printing checks and mailing them and, and all of that. And so, we've done 
um, some really interesting integrations with a lot of the bigger vendors so that you can do electronic payments so they're instantaneous, they're safe. We're working on the reconciliation process. So you're paying the right bills and you're getting the credits that are owed to you based on, you know, the handwritten changes on your invoice and, and then, and just helping the overall cash flow management of the rest. Okay. Of so that's one big area. And then the other area that, that is near and dear to my own heart is um, looking at the data science side of this, looking at the, uh, looking forward instead of backwards. So most of what we do now um, and what most people do in the industry is what would be called descriptive statistics, right? We're collecting data and we're telling you what happened. And, and the yep. nice thing is we're telling you what happened in near real time. So you know what's going on, which in the past, uh, you know, there was a, a long lag. So that's helped a lot, but we're moving to the point to where we can peer forward instead of backwards. So when I started the conversation with learning how hard the restaurant was, when you think about variable sales, predicting uh -huh. what your sales will be for the next few days is getting easier and easier and easier. Predicting how much ground beef you should have is getting easier and easier and easier. And so we have hired a team of um, five data scientists led by a gentleman who's, who's particularly strong. Um, and we are starting to look at how to, yeah, instead of just telling restaurateurs what happened, tell them what they should do. Like, how much ground beef should you order? You know, uh, how many family people should you have staffed or whatever the... the That's huge. That's really huge. And, and especially if you can get it down to the prep level, how, how many burger patties should right. you make? Not just how much ground beef should you have on hand, but how many how many burger patties should you have? That's exactly right. So starting at that highest level of what is the sales, and then the next level is what items are going to sell. And then from that, what do you need to have on hand? And then from that, what do you need to prep? Yep. So that's right. Yeah, that's kind of the next you know logical phase, as, as you're well aware. One of the questions I have oftentimes when I talk to people that do inventory is, is, is I guess whether it be contract pricing or negotiated pricing, you know, agreed upon pricing when I'm receiving product in is a way, you know, my next door neighbor runs, <laughs> he works for a, a distributor here in Texas, um, um, Benny Keith. And, you know, it's not a Benny yeah. Keith statement as much as it is Benny Keith or U U.S. Foods or Cisco. Oftentimes their systems might not be nearly as sophisticated or maybe they're doing it on purpose where the tomatoes might have been negotiated at one rate maybe not tomatoes because they're you know they they move all the time but there's certain, there's certain products that that do that talk to me a little bit about how technology can help in that because you know when you're the owner and you're receiving every single product in the back door and you're receiving every single invoice like you probably are going to catch that but as you get beyond that and you guys start to receive those invoices and whatnot and you've got somebody that may not have been there for nine years or 12 years as your GM at your sushi restaurant's been there. They're not doing that. And so right. talk to me a little bit about how tech can help with that, because that is an, an area of opportunity and not to use the name of the product, but it is an area where margin can get eaten away if you don't manage it properly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, and there's two ways to look at that, right? There's the negotiated products and there's also just the keeping the eye on price changes of things that are changing dramatically that, that may be easy to miss. And so mm -hmm. on the negotiated products, it's actually a hundred percent automatable. So in, in margin edge, you can load your, um, your contract prices for any item. And if anything comes in, you can actually load, you can load them and you can load a sensitivity. So you can say if it's off by a penny, I want to know, or if it's off by a certain range, I want to know. And so you load that in as the invoices flow through, every single one is just auto automated as automatically compared to that. And if there's uh -huh. a delta, you get an email that says on this invoice, you're owed this credit for these items. And then literally you just forward that to the vendor and you say, 
overcharged on these yeah, things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that part is completely automatable. The other one though, which is, you know, interesting and you mentioned tomatoes, they're always going to be, they're always going to be things that aren't negotiated, right? They're always going to be things you either don't buy enough of it, or it's just by its nature, a highly variable cost. Um, and for those, we have really nice tracking tools where you can see um, not just, obviously you can see a price change and a percentage price change, but my favorite view is you can see the dollar impact on your current period spend. So like mm-hmm. if, if you are a place that doesn't buy many tomatoes and the price of tomatoes goes up 40%, you might not care because the dollar impact might be, you know, whatever, $50. It might be insignificant for that yeah, period because you're happen. only buying a case of tomatoes a week or whatever. Right. Yeah. But something else where you buy a ton of it, uh, might go up a small percentage or a small dollar amount, but the dollar impact on you could be very high. And so we do this report that's auto-generated that shows you that. And the other thing I really like about it is at the bottom, it just sums them, right? And uh-huh. as somebody who has managed you know, managers, I have often heard, hey, yeah, my food cost is high, avocado prices spiked, right? Or tuna's up or whatever. The beauty of this report is you look at it and you say, okay, avocados, you spent an extra, whatever, $1,000 on. But it turns out you saved money on these other 23 things and the net impact of price changes combined is actually positive, right? Yeah. Or, or it's negative, but it's not as bad as just looking at the worst item. And so uh-huh. it helps keep, I don't want to say honest, but it helps keep, um, make, make the full package transparent rather than allow excuses at pointing at any one worst case scenario. I love that example because I've heard it way too many times. Oh, this, you know, I mean, I was a restaurant restaurant person. I was a restaurant manager in my past and and having been in the space for 25 years doing this on the flip side, it's like, no, 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 that's not where it came from. That's right. that's because you didn't manage the business well enough and your sales didn't hit the targets they needed yeah, to. Yeah, the or, other one you hear is like, and it is really people not understanding. They'll say, um, you know, the price of something went up and it threw off my inventory. And you're like... <laughs> Well, how much of it do you have on hand, right? Yeah. And the change in inventory is actually really, I mean, it's, right, it's so often the change in inventory is just not even consequential. If you're running relatively standard PARs, like, you know, it's just, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, if you know what you're doing. So, yeah. I'm gonna, and it's I'm not something like real- really expensive liquor or long lasting items, right? That's a different story. Yeah. Well, and that, that kind of takes me to, to, I guess, all of us have seen the shows, whether it's John Taffer or it's Robert Irvine or it's, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gordon Ramsay. They come into these restaurants that are failing and they, 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 they walk into the walk-in and they have, you know, this beef that's been there for 14 years that they haven't used. And they, they scream and yell and get these people. Talk to me a little bit about product churn and product usage. Cause you know, really in restaurants, you've got your tables, you've got your product, you've got your staff. Like the, the, those are those are your pieces that you, those are your levers that you can pull. How often can I get more butts on the seats? How often can I turn the inventory over? And how often can I make sure that the staff is there to be able to serve the guests that need to be there when they need to be there? In the example of your lunchtime only restaurant or whatnot. Talk to me a little bit about how you ensure that people are using the product that that is sitting on the shelf and and help them to make sure that they're they're repurposing that. You as a chef, you as a restaurant owner, you get it. You're gonna be, you're gonna throw a special on the menu. You're gonna make sure that you're turning these things. But many of the restaurants out there, they'll have products that aren't selling, or they'll have products that they continue to count over and over and over again, and they're sitting there in inventory, and they they see them as an asset on their balance sheet, but they don't necessarily help them to make any more money. Talk to me a little bit about how Margins Edge can help. Yeah, with that. you know what's interesting with that is that um, I think that has been shaken up quite a bit with COVID. Like I think pre-COVID, there was a lot more of that, a lot more stagnant. A lot, a lot, people were a lot more stagnant and 
I think uh, after COVID, just the, the being forced to rethink your menu to do so much takeaway, so much delivery, right? And mm-hmm. to, uh, and then immediately following that to get hit by the food cost inflation, <laughs> a lot of people have been focused on trying to streamline their inventory, streamline their menu, so they're using the same items more often so that they can keep a tighter inventory and a faster turn on those items. The way that we generally help with that is that that we have, because we have your POS data, right, and we have the recipe costing data, we can show... Um, that standard four by four um, chart where you've got your your um, your dogs, your plow horse, right, your stars, and so you can see per recipe, um, per menu item, sorry, per menu item, what is the most profitable, not just on a percentage basis, but also return to net, right? So that's uh-huh. another thing that people will get a little sidetracked by is we always talk about food cost as a percent. But in reality, actually, what we care about is that we're making the most money on each item. And so, yeah, what's a whole dollar? A $49 steak and I'm making 10% profit is $4.90. And I'm selling a $2 Coke and I'm making, you know, I'm making, you know, $1.90 on that $2 Coke. My margin is a heck of a lot higher per per item. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so, so this, this analysis allows you to see that as well. Um, And then, you know, pair back the things that are, that are underperforming. And so, um, so yeah, certainly I think that's a valuable a valuable report and view. But I also think the world is kind of forcing everyone into that as well. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. But yeah, I it's just, hard to survive at this point if you're if you're really yeah. Yep. No, I hear you. Um. So I guess talk to me a little bit about the the last piece I wanted to ask about is just kind of where do you think these all of this automation is going? I guess you know you're a tech guy. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the data science pieces, you know, there's, there's all of these people that, that, you know, talk about this prediction of, of, you know, the world being so automated that, that really going out to eat, it's going to just be robots doing everything. It's going to be doing the purchasing. It's going to be doing the, um, I don't know that that's a reality today, but you know, it may be, I guess, uh, since you live in this space, talk to me a little bit about where, where do you see AI, machine learning, data science, you know, it, all of this stuff Robotics. coming into play five, 10 years from now. Yeah, I think um, I was just yesterday, I was at a Gordon um, food service, had had their big trade show in uh, Grand Rapids. I was just there yesterday. And one of the things that was actually right next to our booth was a robot that was, you know, picking up um, lettuce and basically building a salad with a robotic arm. Um, and it's cool. I think, you know, realistically though, um, Technology will go in restaurants probably in a similar way it has gone in other industries, right? So if you look at anything from, you know, automobiles to um, to service industries, technology helps make people more and more efficient. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, there's still people doing all of these things, right? Yeah. So so I definitely think technology can help. You know, I, in my own restaurants, I use uh, sushi robots, which are very cool. If you Google sushi robots, they've been around forever and they help with the process of making sushi so that we can keep standard quality and do high volume. Uh-huh. But there are also a bunch of people in the kitchen, right? There are also yeah, yeah people. there's people that still need to cook the rice and put it into there. And they yeah, still need to put well, the seaweed into the roll. avocados, right? There's always, and, and breaking down tuna, right? A robot's not going to break down tuna. That is a legitimately hard task. So, so you know, I am a big believer that it can help make us more efficient. It can make us happier. It can take away a lot of the mundane tasks that we do and 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 make those things more automated and efficient. But you're still gonna you're still there's we're not going to be in a fully automated world. And I think I think certainly the fine dining and even full service restaurants there is always that human component 
that we yep. go to those restaurants for service that even if a robot could fully automate it, we don't want that experience. We want the experience of human to human connection. Now yep. in fast casual, we, will we do more ordering on our phones, right? Will we automate and speed up some of those services? Of course. But, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's all about increasing efficiency, not so much about, you know, truly self-driving vehicles where there's no human at all. Yeah, the Jetsons, the Jetsons story where, where the food you push it into. And I mean, and funny, there was a guy on the, on the podcast a few months ago that, that actually is building a robot to build bowls for like a Chipotle style bowl. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that there is a place for that in fast casual or where I'm in a big office complex and I just, I want food for the day. Like, and I don't necessarily need that, but I do agree with you that, uh, augmenting it and helping people to be better. Um, I love some of the data points that you guys are, are pulling through both the, the point of sale data as well as the um you know as, as well as kind of kind of the invoice data because it is a huge piece and it is it is number one you know number one or number two as far as as far as cost within the business and it's also one of the hardest things to solve that's right they're the most moving parts right yep no absolutely yeah and the software does actually track all of it so it tracks labor costs it tracks rent it tracks um you know your cleaning supplies and and all of your all of your expenses. So you are getting a real time P and L and seeing the full picture. It's just that the food is the food, beer, wine, liquor are the hardest parts, and so that's that's where we focus more on the, focus the conversation there. today. Um, I love it. I love it. So, Bo, if people wanted to learn more about you guys and become Restaurant Four Thousand and One, how would they engage with the team? How would they engage with uh, with what yeah. it is that you guys are doing? You know, how do they take their next steps and what sure. might that look like for them? Thank you for asking. So yeah, so marginedge.com, right, is our website. And um, what's what I think is one of the nice things about that, that site, our company, is that when you come in and you ask to see a demo, uh, our entire sales team, we have about 40, 45 people now, our entire sales team are ex-operators. So no one on the sales team has not run a restaurant, right? They've been a GM, an executive chef, or a director of operations. So when you get on the phone, they will understand the restaurant problems that you've dealt with and they'll be able to speak your language uh, and they'll walk you through it, show it to you. And then, you know, if you're interested, you can go through, go from there, but it's a flat price. It's 300 bucks a month, no onboarding, no contract. Um, so it's an easy, uh, an easy decision as far as, you know, not having to lock yourself in for years and years. If, if we do great, you'll stay. If we don't, then we don't deserve for you to stay. So we work hard on, on, uh, on making people happy. I love that. I love that, uh, that, you know, I, I quite frankly, I love the, what you guys are doing to democratize kind of inventory management, food cost management. It's it's huge. It's a huge piece that so many people struggle with, and the fact that you guys are solving it in really cool ways is is awesome. Um, Bo, thank you so much for for educating us to to help um, help the restaurant tours that are out there that aren't doing these types of things. Obviously, uh, I would love for you guys to go check out Margins Edge. You know their product, what it is that they do, how it is that they can solve things. When you guys are online, if you guys haven't already done so, I'd love for you guys to subscribe to the newsletter. Once a month, we send you all of the articles, all of the blog posts, all of the uh, podcasts that come out. Just one email, restauranttechnologyguys.com. Put in your email address. We're not going to spam you. No, we're not going to sell it anywhere. But just to stay up to date with all of these cool conversations we have. Um, again, one last ask of everyone is if you haven't already liked um, or, or given us a rating on your favorite podcast player, it does help others find the podcast that are in our space. Both, thank you so much for the education, for quite frankly, solving so much of this problem for these people, because uh, you don't have to be Burger King and McDonald's to, to, to get to the level of detail and the level of data that it is that you guys are, are getting to. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. And to our audience, guys, make it a great day. 
Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Visit restauranttechnologyguys.com for tips, industry insights, and more to help you run your restaurant better. Thank you.